Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Are you today? I am in John chapter 17. We are uh, in the middle of, literally, in the middle of Holy Week. Tomorrow is Maundy Thursday. I invite you to join me and Susie Larson at 7 p.m. Central Time uh, at MyFaithRadio.com. We're going to have a live event. She and I are going to talk about the extraordinary love of God demonstrated in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're going to walk through John chapters 13 to uh, 18. Please join us. Again, that's tomorrow evening, Maundy Thursday, 7 p.m. It's a live event, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, you just you join it by going to MyFaithRadio.com just before the top of the 7 p.m. hour, and you'll be able to click there and join on uh, that live event. So where in the Word are you today? I'm in John chapter 17. This is Jesus's high priestly prayer. Um, he is laying bare his not only his heart but uh, the ways in which he talks with the father one on one this this prayer is preserved for us for our benefit uh, not because jesus needed to have his prayer preserved but because we needed to have jesus's prayer preserved so i'm going to pick up at verse 20 because this is really where the attention turns to you and to me Jesus says uh, to the Father, I do not ask for these only. He's talking there about the disciples who are around him in that very moment, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That would be that would be you and me. That would be the the people, the followers of Christ in every generation following that very first set of disciples. So Jesus is praying here for us. He says, I pray that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is praying for you and for me that we would be one in in his spirit, that we would have a unity with the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that that unity of spirit, that bond of peace that we enjoy in Jesus together as members together of the household of faith in the body of Christ, that that unity would be the witness to the world and that others would come to believe through this precious unity that we enjoy as believers in Christ. So that is the, uh, that is a part of what Jesus prays for us today. So knowing what was coming, knowing that he had very little time left in this world, Jesus called his friends together and he prayed. He prayed for them and then he prayed for us. That's extraordinary. 2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for us. How extraordinary is that? The very son of the living God, the one who would bear our transgressions and die that we might live, he prayed for us. So if you want to know today how much you are loved, I want you to read the prayer of Jesus Christ for you in John chapter 17. 
He prays that you will be with him. He prays for us to be unified in spirit and love in such a way that the world would come to know the love of God. And Jesus prays that the love of God might be in us, that Christ himself might dwell in us. That is extraordinary. Jesus prayed that for you and for me. Next up this morning, I'm going to talk with Dr. Josh Straub. We're going to talk about how we can be talking with our children, with our kids, during and about COVID-19. We'll be right back. him as author, co-author, um, pod, podcast co-host. He's a lot of co. He's got a lot of co in his in his titles because <laughs> his wife is pretty great. Her name is Christy. Um, Josh Straub is back with us today. We have had him on before to talk about safe house, how emotional safety is the key to raising kids who live, love and lead well. Um, he has also been on to talk about the children's book that he co-authored with his wife, Christy, what am I feeling? And I do have some copies of that to give away today. Um, so if you have little kids at home and you're having a hard time helping them identify and then talk about their feelings, um, this is a great book to help you do that. And we've talked about it here on the program before. So thrilled to have Josh back today specifically to talk with us about how to talk with our kids about COVID-19. Dr. Josh, welcome back. Thank you for having me. It's always an honor to be with you. All right, so the ministry has a new name, Famous at Home. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just new to me. Yeah, it, we, we've had, I mean, we changed the podcast name. That's been our company name for a little while. Um, uh-huh. We changed the podcast name um, about a, uh, coming up on a year now, and primarily because that's been our message. It's been um, helping people be famous at home so that they can thrive on their stage. The idea that there that there doesn't need to be, uh, that you can crush it at work, that you can crush it in what God's called you to do, and you can be famous at home. So often we find that there's, uh, I hear a lot from people that say, hey, I can crush it at work, I can lead teams at work, I can lead teams in my church as a pastor or whatever, but when I get home I feel lost and um, don't know how to lead my family. And we just really wanted to we've been seeing over and over again our coaching clients to to really marry those two together to say no you can do both really really well and we want to help you do that all right and so they just go to joshuastraub.com uh to connect with you guys and the podcast and the ministry is called famous at home that's just so great i just really appreciate yeah. that um, and you let's... can also go to famousathome.com as well yeah Oh, well, there you go. I'm writing that yep. down. All right. Famous. <laughs> that might be easier for people to find. Famousathome.com. Yeah. All right. right yeah. um, Dr. Josh, let's start with this. How do we talk to our kids about COVID-19? Yeah. So one of the big things that I always say is that our kids, and, and this is this is across research, and I believe it's not just across research. I think it's also biblically grounded that you can sum up all of parenting research into one primary conclusion, and that is that our kids become who we are. As scary as that sounds, uh, is as, as encouraging as that sounds, whatever that is for you, we have to live a life that 
we want our kids to emulate. And as we think about talking to our kids about COVID-19 and, and everything that's happening in the world around us, it really starts with us and the environment that we create when we talk to our kids about it. So, so before we even talk to our kids, we have to understand the environment we're creating and how we talk to them. So for example, if you're constantly spending more time in the news, you have to ask yourself the question, am I feeding my fear or am I feeding my faith? And um, for me, I wake up in the morning, I, I have a website that I look at that I just get the facts, I get the, what's going on in the world, and then I shut it down for the day. I can't live in the constant breaking news cycle or it will make my mind go nuts. And that will bleed over into how I relate to my family. And so I just, it's one of those things of going, what are we doing to either feed our faith or feed our fear? Because how you lead your family, it, it, that will carry over into how you relate with your kids. So I have a, um, I have a friend who um, his daughter is, I think she's five. She might be four. Um, and so, you know, we, they, they'd been at home, um, you know, for a period of time, not going to school. There wasn't like a big plan for how that was going to happen. And then, and then her little school came up with a plan for how they were going to get the kids together on a zoom meeting or call of some kind. Right. And she didn't, she didn't, you know, we don't explain everything, right. We don't, we doesn't, we don't consider that we have to explain all of that process. We know what zoom is. So we, so she packed her little backpack. She asked him to pack her a snack. She thought that oh, meant she was going to get to like. It wasn't about seeing for her seeing your friends meant we're going back to school. Oh, help, sweetie! Help us, right, right. He and he was. I mean, like it's the worst thing that's happened to him in this whole thing. Like it, it and so how do we help us? anticipate in advance so that we don't just fall all over ourselves. And I mean, that's just like a little wound that he's like, I don't know. That's that's the, that's what she's going to remember from this. Is this, this deep disappointment? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we're watching, there's kids in our neighborhood who would play in the cul-de-sac who are just running around all day long. And our kids are standing there at the, um, you know, front door looking out going, why can't we go out and play too? You know? And, um, and and it's trying to help them understand uh, this. And and I think so. So one of the ways that we do that is we have we 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 will use dinner time, and especially now, if 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 you know, we did parenting surveys in the past that said um, that the big greatest parenting struggle for parents is being too busy and not having enough time. If time and being too busy is is your problem, still time is not your problem. <laughs> you know, yeah. we have the time now. So block it out. We use dinner time and bedtime as those two really key times to talk to our kids about a lot of this stuff. Now, there's going to be the the momentary things like when they're staring out the door and going, why can't I go play? But Overall, we're going to then process that at dinner time. We're going to we're going to we're going to prep them in advance. And that's what we've been doing. We've been prepping them in advance for what the week ahead is going to look like. We haven't been doing that just for them. We've been doing that for our own sanity. And and you have to give grace upon grace upon grace on yourself in this situation, but also your kids because it's so new to all of us. But what I typically do is I tell parents, ask your when your children ask you a question, respond with another question. So why can't I go out inside and play with the kids? Now, that required a little bit more of a statement. But what I'm doing is I want to ask more questions because I want to understand what's going on in their heart and mind. Um, I want to know where the question's coming from. I want to know 
is because what can end up happening is is just as much as we can live in the news too much and get overwhelmed with fear by explaining things to our kids we could explain things to them and plant fear in their brain that they didn't need because we're we're giving them too much information mm-hmm. and so uh, in order to do that cuz you have to be age appropriate with this in order to not do that i'll usually respond with a question to their question to find out what are they really asking now when it comes to situations like you just talked about we're doing everything we can to ask questions about what don't you understand about this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our son's doing karate through Zoom, and he's really <laughs> bored with it. He doesn't like it. I mean, you're you're not in person. You're not. You know, he's wanting to quit, and so we're having conversations with him about that. Like, I can understand that. Like, doing karate by yourself over Zoom, totally understandable. I want to give him grace. I want to talk to him about that. I want to. I want to know: is karate really the issue, or is it because you have to do it over a computer? You know. So we're asking questions. We're we're getting underneath the lying motivation to say, what are they really asking, and what don't they truly understand? And we have to just as much as we hope someone would walk with us, holding our hand through this time. Our kids need that even more from us to hold their hand through this during this time. I'm talking with Dr. Joshua Straub. You can find um, just excellent resources at famousathome.com, also joshuastraub.com. When we come back, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Joshua about the the screen time confusion in my own house. We'll be right back. Hmm. Hey, if you go to famousathome.com, um, you can actually download a free ebook equipping you with seven core decisions that you can make to impact your most important audience. That would be your family becoming famous at home. Seven core decisions is a free download at famousathome.com. Dr. Joshua Straub is the, uh, I don't know, the wisdom in the mind behind that. He's probably, he probably laughed to hear me say that, but that's, um, uh, that's what I feel. Um, so that's what I feel when, when you and I talk, I feel like I'm getting so much good help, not only, um, you know, as a stepmom, but now as a home educator, I am not a professional educator. I went to school for something else. I want to know why I feel so, so tired and fatigued. Um, when, you know, supposedly I, I ought to be having all of this extra restful time, um, and then I, I really want to start with this question. I have teenagers. Um, we have been pretty strict o- over time about screen screen time limits. That's now yeah. just totally out the door. And is everything yeah. they're doing, you know, educationally at least, is and and in connecting with their friends is is on a screen. Can you help me with the screen time confusion in my own house? Yeah, yeah, because it it so <laughs> there's a lot of confusion around it and, and especially right now when when as you said we do have a lot of time but we're also exhausted because our time is with everybody like our everybody's mm-hmm. together and so it just it adds an extra burden and I think the biggest thing we have to do before we even have any conversation about it, we have to be kind to ourselves. We have to give ourselves grace in all of this and we have to give our kids grace in all of this because if we don't irritability, frustration tolerance levels are going to decline and irritability is going to increase. And it's just not going to create a great environment in your home. So even before we talk about screen time, like think about the environment of your home. And I even talked about that just earlier in the last segment on faith and fear, like creating an environment that just is is healthy. And and we've got to be able to, to make those decisions that do that. With that said, leading to screen time, 
I believe, you know, right now we have to be on screens in order to communicate with the world around us. And I think that's a beautiful thing. If we're, you know, screens can be used for bad and screens can be used for good. And if we're using them for good and we're teaching our kids to use them for good, there's ways that we can now get on a screen and connect with other humans because it's the only way we can connect with the other humans. And so we've got to be aware of that. And I think it's also true for, for parents of young kids in this season that in order to be kind to yourself, in order to give yourself grace, you're going to need a few hours to work. You're going to need a few hours to do some things here and there that is apart from doing homeschooling and that type of thing where your kids are just going to have to be on a screen for a little bit. They're going to get a movie. Um, block it off. Keep it so that it's not, you know, wishy-washy as to, you know, you know, next thing you know, they're on the screen all day, every day, but that they're being rewarded for it. You know, give them chores around the house. Make them – make them. Um, you know, we noticed with our kids, like they – especially our son, he's been spending, you know – too much time on it because at first when we started social isolation before Christy would start doing the homeschooling thing, um, he would go watch a show. And, you know, when he's on a show first thing in the morning, it changes his brain for how he mm-hmm. communicates and treats her for a while. So we had to we had, we, no, we had to notice that and cut it off in the morning and go, no, wait a minute. You're going to do some other things first and then we'll reward it later in the day depending on attitude and behavior and that type of thing, or we'll reward it throughout the day based upon that. And so it's just having that conversation. So many kids are now doing school online and they have to, and that's just the nature of the world we live in. The other stuff we can monitor and we can have communication and talk about. The biggest thing, I think the biggest mistake we can make is just not talking about it, just not having conversation with our kids about it, especially in the teenage years. The more we can talk about it, the more we can ask them what they love and get into their world and, and understand what brings them to life and what is it that they're doing? What are they watching? You know, What are they watching on YouTube? What are they doing? And, and to learn from them about what they love. And to teach them those boundaries, that's the biggest that, – that's one of the best gifts that we can give our kids, I think. I think that your um, your family rhythms in, in social isolation piece that you have posted at your website um, is yeah. really helpful as well. That is also a, a Famous at Home um, podcast episode. So you guys can check that out at Famous at Home. You can check it out at joshuastraub.com. Um, Joshua, one more thing before we've, – we've got like a minute and a half. Talk with us about – um, emotional resilience. Yeah, basically, this is really your ability to bounce back well. And uh, resilience is like your immune system, just like you would take vitamins for your physical body to to build your immune system, to get sleep, to eat well. We have to do things in order to build our emotional immune system as well. And the and 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 there's a lot of just real obvious ones that are going to deplete your immune system, your emotional immune system, you know, um, emotional eating, you know, not eating healthy, um, uh, you know, binge watching Netflix. These are things that aren't going to build your emotional resilience, things that will help you bounce back when we're getting back to normal, when we're, there's a lot of emotions being brought up right now with a lot of our coaching clients, a lot of people that we interact with. And one of the biggest things that we give them is to talk about emotions. If that means you're journaling with some, is that if that means you're journaling on a piece of paper, if that means you're talking to someone, someone who can just sit with your story, who can hear what you're feeling, and 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 allow you to feel it, uh, being able to v- verbalize and communicate what you're feeling through journaling, through talking to a friend or even a therapist, is so incredibly powerful for building resilience in your emotional bounce back system. Because if we don't, we'll suppress it and we'll Netflix it, chocolate it, drink it, we'll do whatever. We'll suppress it and then eventually it will catch up to us. So 
to make sure that doesn't happen. Eat healthy, get sleep, and talk about emotion with your spouse, with your kids, with your, um, you know, with a friend. Obviously, you don't want to overshare with your kids, but you know, be vulnerable. Um, allow yourself to be able to grieve the things that you've lost, and and um, that's one thing that's been hard for us. We've had to grieve the abrupt school year and and all the end of school parties and all that. And we don't even have a senior in high school. I can't imagine mm-hmm. a lot of the seniors who haven't experienced the grief that they are right now. So give yourself permission to feel that. I just love it. Thank you so much. I hope you'll come back. Um, uh, give oh, Christy my Yeah, give Christy my greetings. Um, Joshua Straub, thank you so much. Famousathome.com, joshuastraub.com or org? Dot com. Mm, yeah, dot com. com. Famous at hey, home, and, yep. And I have books to give away that I didn't promo. Um, what am I feeling? If you have little kids in particular and you are looking to um, help them identify and process through their feelings, text the word book to 877-933-2484. I'm restricting this to people with little kids. So uh, people with little kids, uh, I have a what are you, what am I feeling, copies of it available. Um, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Joshua, thank you so very much. Carmen, your blessing. Thank you so much. It's mutual. JoshuaStraub.com. We'll be right back. So what in the world is going on in the world? What are our fellow believers around the world doing uh, during this holy week in the midst of pandemic? What is happening with the locust situation, which is complicated by COVID-19? Uh, in Africa. Um, and, and what about um, populations here in the United States, like like Native Americans? How is the crisis uh, affecting believers in those communities? Next up, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. We'll be right back. So tomorrow evening, uh, Maundy Thursday, the Thursday of Holy Week, the night upon which uh, Jesus celebrated the Last Supper, washed the disciples' feet, teaches them, instructs them about uh, the vine and the branches, prays this extraordinary priestly prayer, prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, is betrayed by Judas, um, denied by Peter. Okay, all of these events uh, happen on the evening of what we call Maundy Thursday. So that's tomorrow night. Susie Larson and I are just going to be offering a time of, uh, of encouragement. There will be some Bible teaching that Susie will offer. She and I will talk about John chapters 13 through 18. Um, we'll also pray with and for you. So it's a live event. We invite your participation. Uh, in order to participate, you'll come to MyFaithRadio.com just before 7 p.m. Central. So tomorrow night, just before 7 p.m. Central Time, log on to MyFaithRadio.com. There'll be a link to the live event with Susie Larson and myself. We're going to talk about just, there is just no greater love. There is just no greater love than that which we experience in Jesus Christ, particularly in this most holy of weeks. All right, so join us for that. Hey, we'll be right back. I've often heard parents say, I've done everything right. How come my kid's going sideways on me? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. It's possible that you've felt that way too. If you discipline by the book, your kids should turn out to be picture perfect, right? But what happens when it doesn't work? And let me tell you, in today's culture, those old recipes for parenting almost never deliver what we expect. 
When kids don't respond the way we hoped, maybe it's time to shift our approach. What isn't working in your home? How can you adjust your style? For now, scrap the false notion that doing everything right will fix your family. Try something new and never, never give up. There's more from Mark Gregston on Parenting Today's Teens website. Get helpful tips for moms and dads when you visit ParentingTodaysTeens.org. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News is back with us today to help us understand what is happening around the world and how our brothers and sisters in Christ are responding in the midst of this pandemic. Ruth, welcome back. Good morning. How are you? I am well. I am well. It is well with my soul. How are you? You know, I'm finding that uh, in this time of lockdown, there's a lot of reflection going on, and I can appreciate so much more um, what other members of the body of Christ are experiencing. Mm. Well, talk about that. I mean, I, you know, are there... Is there a specific story that comes to mind um, in relationship to that? You know, a lot of us are are going to church online now. So we're sitting in our family rooms and, um, you know, watching our, our pastor preach a sermon or trying to worship, you know, with the, the YouTube links um, that they may have posted for a worship set. And, and it's we're not worshiping corporately anymore. And it struck me, I think, a couple of Sundays ago as I sat there singing my tenor line by myself that this is to a very small extent. This is what the body of Christ under pressure feels like um, in a lot of other countries where they think they're the only Christian in the country, where they don't know any other believers. And they're at home um, being discipled and being uh, encouraged in their faith walk through internet resources, through um, uh, satellite television, that they can get hold of some Christian programming like Sat7, uh, Mohabat TV, and those kinds of uh, ministries. Um, and that's how they're getting, that's their church body. Um, and for us, as I was sitting there reflecting on this, I was just thinking, you know, we're openly um, watching these things. People can look in our houses and see that we've got our big screen TVs and we're watching our pastor preaching. Um, and that carries no risk for us, but it carries risk even for those who are trying to worship in private in their homes in, in places where the church body isn't supposed to exist. So I think, you know, just one of these things that we reflect on as we kind of get adjusted to a a different way to do um, to do body life. Uh, just want to remind people um, that we're sort of experiencing what the body of Christ experiences uh, in other places around the world. Thank you for that, Ruth. Um, the development of an understanding that what we are experiencing is actually the regular rhythm for many other people around the globe in terms of their corporate worship experience and their experience of discipleship, that it is often not in person. And it is certainly not in the kind of large mass gatherings that we are used to here in the United States. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, take us to the Philippines. We are, you know, we're reading, we're hearing there's these shoot-to-kill orders. Uh, give us your perspective on what's happening in the Philippines. 
Well, we spoke to some of our friends at Asian Access because, you know, the headlines are pretty startling. There's a shoot to kill order. Um, and, and really what they're saying is, you know, take it with a grain of salt because the backstory behind the shoot to kill order was coming down because of a group of people who basically rioted over um, not getting financial aid and food since the beginning of the lockdown, which started March 17th. So just keeping in mind that a lockdown like this um, really affects the poorest of the poor first and uh, and most deeply. Um, so they don't have a safety net. There's not really anything for them there um, to be able to make up what they're losing in the hand-to-mouth kind of existence. So this group protested the lack of resources. And because they were coming together and congregating, the police were sent to try to break them up and they resisted. So after a certain point, there was an arrest. A group of people were arrested and the president basically came down um, in kind of a bombastic manner, but he was trying to bring home a point. We can't afford to have people just doing what they want to do in in light of the the bigger issue of uh, trying to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, uh, and because the Philippines are so crowded, it is it's it's exponentially more difficult and more dangerous if you have the virus get loose in in some of those populations, especially when you're talking about some of the um, the boroughs that are more like uh, slums. Um, mm-hmm. So the president's strong words, "shoot to kill," uh, were really aimed at. Just underscoring his point, we have to be separate. We have to observe the social isolations in order to save the population of the country. We're trying to prevent COVID-19. So stay home, stay you know, um, uh, safe, I guess. They're, they're not using that terminology, but that's what he was trying to underscore and said, um, basically, we will take whatever means necessary to um, enforce those orders. So it's difficult because... Um, you know, they're they're experiencing some more obvious pushback, I think. You know, when you have a riot over something um, because people are scared, because they are without food and without aid, um, they're turning to the government that promised them that those items, uh, those those things to survive this this lockdown. And so, you know, the question comes, then who's helping them if the government stuff isn't getting to them, which the government denies, by the way. They say those packets have gone out. Um, but clearly somebody is missing something. And so Asian Access has been working with their church network to try to figure out how they can kind of fill in the gap in between those things to meet an obvious felt need without breaking quarantine. So what they're asking for is for us to be praying because they obviously need wisdom. Um, And they're trying to figure out how to get resources to some of these pastors uh, to be able to meet some of those needs. And some of those pastors are also existing hand-to-mouth. So they are also in as uh, as serious a situation as some of these people that were protesting. I am talking with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find the stories that we're talking about today posted at mnnonline.org. We'll be right back. We here in the United States recognize that the coronavirus presents uh, grave and great challenges to even the wealthiest and most well-developed of countries with the most um, extensive of uh, of hospital and healthcare networks and the most advanced distribution systems and communication networks. Imagine, if you will, uh, what it is like 
in another part of the world or in many other parts of the world where none of those um, realities exist. And layer on top of that, locust swarms. So the worst desert locust infestation in decades began spreading throughout the Horn of Africa last fall. We have talked about its effects in uh, in the eight countries where the locusts uh, were swarming in the fall. Today, there are swarms forming in Ethiopia, Kenya, and Somalia. And on top of that, these countries are seeking to also respond to the coronavirus. Ruth Kramer is here from Mission Network News. There was a piece posted at their site related to this. Ruth, give us an update um, from our friends on the ground there at Compassion International. It sort of feels like, you know, we're back in um, Old Testament times when the the plagues are happening. I mean, you've got the locust swarms and then you have plague. Uh, You know, what's what's coming next? Um, And and that's sort of the question we were asking our partners uh, at Compassion International. I mean, you're, you're considering that you've got major swarms forming, like you were saying, Kenya, Ethiopia, Somalia. It's in South Sudan, Djibouti, Yemen, Iran, Eritrea, Oman, Iraq, and Pakistan. And these are not areas that are known for um, food security. So uh, already coming into it with um, some difficulty in in harvest and, and crops and having some kind of a, a, a something in the silo, so to speak, and then having a second swarm form uh, on top of losing some of your industry. So you have farmers who have crops in the field that can't be harvested because of the lockdowns that are going on in the country. And then those that have been able to put something aside can't sell it in the market anymore because you're not allowed to actually go out and do that because of the social isolation and the quarantine orders that have come down in a lot of these countries. So it's just, you know, uh, I think we're we're dealing with a critical mass kind of an issue. And what Compassion is saying is they're doing what they can to help the affected families. So if you have sponsored children uh, in some of these countries, um, they will have already contacted you about what they're trying to do to assist. Um, The churches that they partner with are just letting them know that the needs are pouring in. a lot of them are pouring in faster than they can think than they can cope with. So they're asking us to be praying for wisdom. They're asking for the resources and then trying to figure out how to get those resources uh, out there to the people that need them without breaking the quarantine. So there's a lot of pieces in this puzzle that are actually shifting around on a daily basis. Uh, and then you're you're talking about the economy of everything, um, and and it just starts getting so much more complicated than than it was even a couple of weeks ago, and we thought it was already complicated then. And that's all to give you a, a backdrop of the situation in which these believers find themselves and the opportunities that they're, t- they're seeing as a result of these crises. Um, a lot of times we talk about a crisis and how the body of Christ starts to shine. Um, our motivation and our worldview and, and what we're taught to believe in the Word of God motivates us to do something that is different, that is other-centered in a crisis where everybody's really scared and looking mainly at their own plight. Um, And these kinds of things are encouraging us as a body to look outward, to be other-focused. And when we are other-focused, I think, we tend to be less afraid because we're more concerned now on how we can be part of the solution rather than be parting, being part of the problem. Um, with Compassion's work, it's going to continue. Um, it's challenged because the needs uh, outweigh what the resources are right now. But I would encourage you to go to the website and look at the article and find some of those links that um, 
that you can click on and figure out how you want to be part of uh, walking alongside the body of Christ that's trying to do something uh, and literally give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Please visit mnnonline.org. The particular article we're talking about is Coronavirus Complicates Ethiopia's Locust Recovery Efforts. There are lots of links in the article um, to ministries on the ground with whom you can partner. Um, Ruth, I'd like to turn here for a moment back here to the United States to a population that is just frankly often living totally under the radar for most of us, and that's the Native American population. What can you tell us from ministry partners working with Native Americans right now related to COVID-19? Well, we talked with uh, Ron Hutchcraft Ministries, which has uh, a specific ministry to Native Americans uh, on Eagle's Wings. And what they're saying is just trying to remind us that the Native American population is one of the least resourced in the United States. It's poorly resourced if it does have anything. And they're all congregated in a small space. It's like the top three things that you're not supposed to, you know, that that just uh, are a formula for failure when it comes to surviving something like this. And um, they're basically most of America has no idea what's going on in Native, Native America. So Ron Hutchcraft Ministries is talking about some of the challenges with regard to the tribal health care systems, the lack of resources, provider shortages, all of that kind of stuff. And they're basically saying we need to bring some awareness to this so that we can move to change a little bit more with that. It's not going to change overnight. And how we can help? Well, the obvious solution is to get alongside some of the ministries that are working well in some of these areas. Again, we're talking about resources and the limited amount of resources that are going to the, the reservations um, really isn't going to change overnight. But for those that have the networks that are already established, if you resource them, they can get what they need to some of these places. And again, I'm saying that on Eagle's Wings, and Ron Hutchcraft Ministries, they're well-networked in um, many of the reservations around the United States, and they know people to be able to get this stuff out the way it's supposed to go. Um, so you can support their efforts, and you can be praying, because there's a lot of despair that comes in a situation like this, because the Native Americans will be are fully aware that they're not a priority when it comes to the resourcing on a, on a health pandemic. Um, and so when someone comes in and is doing it in the name of Christ and they don't want anything, um, it, it's just a different paradigm for them. And so they begin to be more open to, to things. And because the despair that exists on a reservation uh, is so stark, when someone brings hope into a conversation, they're desperate. And it's it's an attractive light because they want to know what motivates someone to come in at a time like this with something that nobody else has considered to help for no other reason than because they love them. Ruth, the, uh, the Native American population, you know, as you have just described, is one that lives in, in the shadow um, oftentimes of every other conversation we're having in the United States of America. And so I just want to you know, highlight for listeners, yesterday we, we recognized that um, that black Americans are suffering disproportionately with COVID-19. Native Americans are also uh, suffering disproportionately. So just in the state of Arizona, um, where the Navajo people make up 2%, 2% of Arizona's population, they now represent 11% of Arizona's COVID-19 cases. Um, and again, these are people who have a very different access to uh, to healthcare um, and to the kinds of resources that many of us take for granted here in the United States of America, 
every day. Um, Ruth, thank you as always for joining us. Want to also direct people to the other um, fine articles and resources at mnnonline.org. There's an update there about how the church globally is celebrating this Holy Week amidst the pandemic. So you'll want to check that out as well. Ruth, thank you as always for joining us on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. All right, so what are you wondering about today? And are you wondering about all of the wonderful things that God is doing in this world that he so loves? Let me encourage you. Is there, hey, Paul, you can hear me. I can hear Um, you. Is there anything green yet in in your part of the world? Is uh, anything green? Is, are there buds on the trees? Is there well, any sign of hope and life? Yes. Well, the grass is greening up a little bit, and I did take a walk a couple of days ago and noticed uh, some bushes along the path I was on did have buds starting already. Okay. So, so yeah. here's what I'm going to invite people to do, because um, uh, as those begin popping forth, here's what I want everyone to just get in their mind. I want us to get in our minds that those are flowers that God is sending us. So when you see a bush budding, a tree blossoming, um, little little tiny flowers coming up from the darkness of the earth, I want you to remember that you're not only rooted and grounded in love, you are being um, you are a flowering fruit being brought forth by God for his joy and his enjoyment. And every flower out there right now and the ones that are coming next are flowers that God is sending you. And so, you know, don't make God ask, hey, did you get the flowers that I sent today? Like, that's terrible. When you give somebody flowers, you want them to spontaneously recognize it and say thank you. So when you see a flowering tree, a flowering bush, a flower, thank God for it. Say, God, thank you. I got the flowers you sent me today. They're so beautiful. Look at that bouquet on a big stick that we traditionally call a tree. All right, that's my encouragement to you this spring. A spring springs forth. That's what's happening. I just love it. All right, we got a whole nother hour up next. This is Mornings with Carmen, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.